We're going to start here in Revelation 14, and uh, we'll get to that here in a, in a few minutes. Like I said earlier, just um, going to look at, again, the 144,000 once again, these servants of the Lord that will be there on the earth, it seems, in the second half of the tribulation, and we're going to see them you know, standing with the Lamb on Mount Zion and just a glorious scene, a new song they're given and a worship and praise to God, a lot of encouragements. Last week, or actually the last few weeks, I think we were four weeks in chapter 13. And uh, tonight we're gonna, we're gonna see the beauty of the Lamb of God. And in those four previous studies, we saw the ugliness really of, of the dragon that, who's Satan, that first beast, the Antichrist, another beast, that false prophet, and then the image of the beast. And we saw and talked about them rising up to even more of a full power over the nations there at the midway point of the tribulation when Satan's booted out of heaven and he knows his time is short and he comes down even with a, a greater anger and wrath about him. We're gonna see that, or we saw that in that time, there's really a, a full-on worship system that's, put forth in the earth of a, just a, 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 a really a worship of not just the Antichrist thinking he's the Christ, but it seems at this point the whole curtain has been pulled up and it's literal dragon worship. It's literal Satan worship on the earth along with the beast and then this false prophet that, that's gonna rise up out of all the false prophets on the world today. And look, they're, they're a dime a dozen. They abound all over the place He's going to rise up out of what's being set up for him to rise out of. And remember, he's going to set up an image of the beast, an image of the Antichrist. And all that don't worship that beast that says, or that image of the beast, they're going to be killed. And they're also going to put in place the mark of the beast, uh, 666. Uh, and everyone will have to take that mark or the name of the beast. And that will be required to buy or sell. And um, look at it, it's a chapter that's talked about a lot, especially in this day that we're in right now. I, I would imagine that every one of us in this room have had multiple conversations about that chapter and the things put forth in that chapter, especially in the last few years and with all the things going on, all the things we've talked about, the push towards this last day's Babylonian system that's gonna consist of a, uh, a, a one world religion, a one world economy, um, a, a, a one world government. And, uh, you know, we've talked much about it. And then again, the last few weeks looking at that mark. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's been talked about forever, the technology and so forth. I do really believe in generations past, um, you know, they, they, they looked at these things and had to have been mystified of, how these things could come about. And we look today and with the modern technologies and so forth, you're like, oh yeah, this, this could be implemented right now. And uh, I, I really believe that, you know, a lot of the things that have been going on in the last few years from this man-made uh, bioweapon that was released on us are in big part to try to push in this, this beast system, this Babylonian system. And uh, I could go on and on and on about the headlines, but here's a, a few recent ones um, in the last week or so that I've seen that, you know what, are, are no doubt a part of the birthing of these things and the 
setting up of the world for this beast system that eventually is going to be put in place that praise God, I'm a citizen of heaven. I I ain't part of any of this nonsense. Uh, I worship the true and living God. I'm in the economy of Jesus Christ and he is my king. He is my Lord. He is my president. He is my governor. He is my mayor. You fill in the blank. He is my master and I give him the glory in that. But um, this came up today. I found it interesting. I, I won't read a lot of the headline, but these, these things are just continually pumped out. It says, uh, this is from LifeSite News, a very, very credible source. Federal Reserve considers launching digital currency for U.S., raising privacy concerns. And then the kind of opening sentence, the Federal Reserve announced Thursday public comment debate forum as the first step in seriously considering the introduction of a central bank digital currency. Now, again, this has been talked about forever. And, you know, I, I kind of chuckled when I read it, public comment. Like they're gonna listen to anything the public has to say, right? Come on now. And, you know, it just goes into, uh, you know, their push of, hey, this is gonna solve a lot of issues from, you know, viruses being passed from the dirty money that we use. And it is filthy stuff and so forth. They ain't gonna argue and debate that. But, you know, it, in, in, and then it, you know, moves into how things could be controlled so much better and so forth. And then there's a little bit talked about the concerns and so forth, the privacy. But, you know, and again, it, it is, you, you don't see the brakes being pumped on this stuff. You, you see the gas pedal being pushed. And we know that, again, there are people that really want to push forth this digital banking system that it seems will have to be in place for this mark of the beast and a buying and selling system and so forth. It just makes a lot of sense to us in this generation. In previous ones, there was probably a lot of mystery in that, but I don't think so as much today. Uh, another headline, and, and I, I don't want to waste a bunch of time reading all this stuff because you guys are familiar with these things. They just come up, but this is some fresh stuff. Uh, this is a news brief from cbnnews.com. Uh, this was actually in December on the 7th, um, uh, headline, the perfect police state, China's digital dictatorship goes global. And uh, basically just talking about how um, China has perfected a microchip that right now can be implemented to fulfill the requirements there of the mark of the beast. To be able to right now put a system in where you gotta take this mark to buy or sell and in their culture because of their social credit score, all of their surveillance, the system that they have built, they could implement that in to place right now. And to a degree, it's not the mark of the beast. It really is implemented. And you look at most of these, uh, you know, at globalist politicians today, uh, some of them are a lot more brazen than they used to be. And others hint around it that basically China is their uh, model, what they're looking at, and really what they want the whole world to follow after. <laughs> Jesus' plan is so much better. Would <laughs> you not agree tonight? And then another, another uh, headline, this is from Express News on January 3rd. COVID microchip developer says there's no stopping the rollout. And basically what it is, it is a... Uh, technology to place a microchip in everybody so that no matter where you go, your complete vaccination status is known. And so basically, instead of 
having one of those cards or something on your phone, you would get this chip and uh, you know what? They would instantly be able to scan it and know all your records. I'm wondering though, if it will flash up, you know, the records of sexually transmitted diseases and such as well. I got a feeling that won't be the case. Uh, I joke on that because again, such an invasion of privacy, but you see a push for these things. And again, Look at don't 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 be erroneous in this. There there are some people that care about people's health, but these high ups, this is about power. This is about a push. This is about uh, again pushing forth their agendas and so forth. And my greatest argument on that is Psalm chapter two, where it talks about the kings and rulers throwing off the counsel of his anointed one, the Christ, the Lord Jesus. And we're in that age and time unlike any other in the history of the world. And again, this stuff, you you know, praise God. I I rejoice in the last few weeks. There are several countries that are dropping all of the protocol for this stuff. Uh, England, I know Ireland just did it. Denmark, of all places, just announced they're about to drop all mass protocol, vaccination protocol, and so forth. And, um, you know, this is as well where, just a little side note, I encourage people to be careful all this stuff is, is, is ushering in, you know, a, uh, ushering in the end of the age, but you got to be careful with when something comes, this is it, this is it. Look at his birth pains. And when you get closer to giving birth, the pain gets more intense and those contractions get longer. And I've seen even some well-intended pastors and all this, this is it. Some guys that I really love, and, and I, I love their mess, and it's like, pump your brakes a little bit, because guess what, bro? Your country just dropped all protocols. And so what we need to do is, look, we're pushing towards this, but we don't know the exact day or hour, because generally what you see is a great push of things, and then a drawback, and then a push, and you get closer. And that's scriptural. That's how Jesus said it would be. That's those pains that he talks about, those birth pains in Matthew 24. I'm not saying that Jesus can't come tonight. He can. Come soon, Lord Jesus. We're ready to go. And I got my bags packed, which they're, I don't have no bags, so they're packed. I'm just ready. You know, at e- even the building, the Mormons can have it back. You know, it's paid in full and whatnot. You can even have it back. I, I-, I could care less. I got a mansion in glory waiting. So, those, those things, you know, we hear these things all the time. I wanted to touch on that a little bit at the end of last week. And then one other thing, though, one, you know, kind of thing that, that, that really could be building up a fulfillment of prophecy. And I hope you guys are somewhat aware of this, of just the uh, potential right now of a war between Russia and Ukraine. And uh, that's not a small matter. Um, you know, I, I heard reports and I haven't vetted it enough that um, I believe it was when Clinton was president, he told Ukraine, if you guys disarm your nuclear weapons, we vow to come and protect you and fight for you if Russia ever evades you. And if you look at all that and you think that, well, that's them, that's nothing to do with us, you need to know the president that's in the White House right now is a warmonger. He's like, oh, you know what, oh, he's a peace-loving guy. Him, the Obamas, all of them, they're warmongers. First day that dude got in office, started dropping bombs. They are warmongers. They love war. And, you know, when, a, when a, a, a pandemic, as they call it, comes to an end, they say, well, what can we roll out next? And it very well could be, you know what, 
the United States getting involved in all of this that could very, very easily birth a World War III situation at any time. It, it, it is a, 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 you know, it, it's, it's a, a ticking time bomb, really. And uh, really be praying. I, I, I heard reports of, 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 you know, troops from our nation being sent over there, uh, you know, equipment and so forth. You know, they say, oh, well, it's part of the UN and all this nonsense. But that commitment was made to that nation and they're expecting, you know what, for this nation to keep its word in it. And, um, you know, these guys are all filthy liars. So they're gonna do whatever, you know, it suits them best. But um, we do know that, that Russia is named in, in a great end time war that's still to happen in Ezekiel 38 and 39. And at some point, I want to do a whole message, you know, probably two, three, four of them on that passage. And it talks there about, you know, Russia and Persia, which is uh, Iran, and several other nations coming down to attack Israel. And it says they go down to attack, you know, at her, her, her riches and so forth. And, and look at Israel, you know, even the natural gas um, uh, that they've discovered recently, it, it's, it's, it's some of the largest natural gas uh, deposits in the world. And you look at the great wealth that's found in the Dead Sea. I mean, billions of dollars of, of metals and things taken out of that every year. And uh, it says there, you know what, that... God's going to put a hook in Russia's jaw and drag them down, that it's going to be a war they don't want to fight. And because you look at a little Israel there and you think, man, you know what? All these nations around her literally hate her. Their children are indoctrinated when they come out of the womb to hate Israel, to hate America as well. Again, we're the big Satan, they're the little Satan. Um, I think in many ways our nation's probably living up to that title. Uh, praise God for a remnant of believers and so forth. But their angle from that is that these are, the, the, these are infidels. They're dirty. They don't worship Allah. So they, they are raised with a jihad mentality. Look, at, don't be fooled for a second. If you think Islam's a peaceful religion, you've been baboozled. Now, there are certain, there, there's many Muslims that are peaceful people. They don't want anything to do with this stuff. They were raised in it. But you get in those nations around Israel, their children are indoctrinated with this stuff. They are raised up with the mindset of we're going to drive Israel into the sea. Their, their leaders say this stuff publicly on an ongoing basis. I mean, their children, they're, they're not watching Sesame Street, you know, at brainwashing them with, you know, at a progressive nonsense. Their children programming is about killing Jews and killing Christians. Like, oh, let's watch... You know, the, you know the, the Iranian PBS or whatever, and it's about jihad. And um, why don't those nations, I'm going somewhere with this, why don't those nations just attack Israel? Because they're scared to death of her. <laughs> because Israel has been blessed by God in the last days. God has reassembled her. And there's prophecy now. We know eventually during that second half of the tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble. And the Antichrist is going to go to try to destroy all Israel. Third will be preserved. All Israel will come to salvation. We'll talk about that actually in our passage tonight. But why don't they attack her right now? Because Israel would wipe them off the face of the planet like that. I mean, they take our fighter jets and rip out all of the garbage equipment and put their stuff in. 
God has blessed them in a way. I've been there four times. I've seen it firsthand. I'm not talking about reading stuff here. It's phenomenal. It's a work of God Almighty. But God's gonna put a hook in Russia's mouth and bring her down and God's gonna intervene and he's going to, it ain't gonna be Israel, it's gonna be God steamrolling those countries and it even says at that point that Israel begins to look up and consider the Lord. It's part of end times prophecy and you need to know with all of that right now because of this pending war that looks like it's, it's, it's just a matter of time before it breaks out that right now Russia and Syria that's part of that, you know, at, uh, the, those nations, they're, they're, they have, they're conducting uh, air missions right now right up to the Golan Heights. And the Golan Heights, been there multiple times. It, it's kind of the border between Israel and Syria there. Um, on a clear day, you can see Damascus from Israel on the Golan Heights. And it is a protective part that belongs to them, that God's given to them. Some say it's occupied territory. That's nonsense. Someone starts saying that, you know, that's an antichrist position 100%. I don't care if they're a president, a pastor, a king, a priest. They're liars. They don't know the scriptures. But these guys right now are, are flying right up to that spot. And that's somewhere where they should not be at all. So again, look at, don't let your heart grow hard because so much has been talked about prophecy and people are saying, well, things are unfolded rapidly, but some people say, you know what, you know, they, they can start getting hard into it. Like they, there are so many things going on in our world. It should be stirring our hearts, you know what, to all the more, because I say all the more, it should be God's words first and the Holy Spirit first, but all the more to be stirring us to be about the business of God in this day that we're living in. And, uh, you know, uh, to, to be a people on our knees in prayer and to be a people really seeking first. And I'm excited about next week's mass message because it talks about three angels flying through the heavenlies and the one preaching the gospel and calling men to repent during that time of the tribulation. Now, that's our commission right now. That's, we've been commissioned with that, not, not angels. We have been commissioned with the ministry of reconciliation of preaching the gospel those angels are doing it in that time because the church is gonna be gone in that time. But right now, we wanna be about that business. And I bring all that stuff up, not just to you know, bring some interesting news stories up, but in hopes to really help us to grasp the reality of the time that we are living in and to stir us to be a people seeking our Lord, to be a people of prayer, to be a people of the gospel, to, as I've been praying, to pray, Lord, give me oil in my lamp and keep it burning. We don't want to be either one of those virgins, you know, those sets of virgins we read about there in, in Genesis, or Matthew 25 where, you know, five had lamps with no oil. The other had oil in their lamp, a representative of the Holy Spirit, but they fell asleep. Their lamps weren't burning. I don't want to be asleep, and I don't want our fellowship to be asleep. I pray God will give us endurance. God will, will, will give us, uh, you know, what, a, an ongoing filling and fire of the Spirit of God and even tonight, if, if you feel like you're slumbering, if the Lord Jesus Christ is not first in your life, if, if you are not, again, uh, walking on the call that he's placed on you, ask him to stir your heart and to refresh you. And I'll tell you, we need to be praying that every single day. And that's a biblical prayer, and he'll meet you where you're at. Can we say amen to that tonight? So Revelation 14, 1 through 5, let's read it together. And again, we're going to see in the midst of all of that that's going to unfold that God's still on the throne. 
just like he is tonight, that God's still keeping his people, still keeping his promises. We're gonna see the Lord standing on Mount Zion in victory. We'll talk about the ministry again of these 144,000s and how they continually follow Jesus. And a lot for us right now that we can glean from in our walks with the Lord. He says, then I looked and behold, and again, this is after the dragon, the, the, the beast, the other beast, the, the worship of the image of the beast, 666, martyrs, you know what, denying, you know, saying, I don't want this. He says, then I looked. So he's looked at a whole lot of ugly in this prophetic vision, you know what, that he just wrote about. Then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion. Is that not glorious? Especially when you consider he's just, just been looking at a, at, at a dragon and with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a loud voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of a loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the throne before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. And these are the ones who are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were redeemed from among men, the first fruits to God and to the lamb. And in their mouth was was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. So again, He's been looking at some literally horrific things. I think back there to chapter 13 where it says, he says, I stood on the, on the shore and, and literally seeing out of the nations and out of the rebellion today, these beasts rising up. Again, the world worshiping the dragon. I, you know, he's describing this as the Holy Spirit's moving him, but how can you even describe any of that on paper to fully help us comprehend it. You know, we're, we'll, we'll see these things unfold, you know what, from a, from a bird's eye view, but you know what, I can't imagine John, a man just like us, flesh and blood, seeing these things and, and you know what, only God sustaining him would allow him to even be able to write about such a thing, such great carnage and seeing God's, you know, at creation, you know, at shunning God to go worship this foul liar who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the amount of deception and so forth. And I would imagine if, you know, your eyes are kept on that for too long of an extended time, you could grow weary, discouraged, faint of heart. Again, even in giving like these reports and you look at this stuff, you gotta be careful not to get too fixated on all of it. You know, they're, they're, I've seen people, especially the last few years, just get so bewildered. And I start talking to them, and it turns out they've just been on the internet all day. Oh, what about this? What about that? And so forth. It's all out there. But if that's all you're taking in, if that's all you're consuming, it's good to know what's going on. We should understand the times like the sons of Ishtar 100%. But look, at if you're spending an hour looking at this stuff, I say you better be spending two hours with God Almighty, you know, at the minimum. Because if, if, again, whatever you sow in, and there's a whole lot of ugly out there. I think of these reports that I just shared, and they're just briefly touched, a whole lot of ugly in that, a whole lot of rebellion in that. And, and that absolutely can make you grow weary. It can discourage you. 
it, it can make you faint of heart. And, and I'll tell you, there's a demonic aspect in it as well, wanting to wear us down, wanting to lean heavily on the body of Christ and so forth. But right here, look at, this is insight. What do I do when I look out and I see all this ugly in the world? Look at, look to the lamb. Look to the Lord. Look to the lamb standing on Mount Zion, standing victoriously on Mount Zion. Let's always look up. I love what it says there in Luke 18.1, and it's before Jesus gives the parable of the widow who knew the only place she could turn for help was that judge. It says, then he spoke a parable to them that men ought to always pray and not lose heart, or always look up and not lose heart. And again, the parable about that woman who's in distress, and she just keeps pestering this judge. And some people think the, that parable saying, if you just pester God, you can get whatever you want eventually. That's not what it is. It's that widow understanding only this judge can help me. So I gotta go to him. And I'll tell you, bottom line, at the end of the day, it's only God that can help us because even in all the resources, it's God orchestrating those things. And so we wanna look up to him no matter what. And again, know that no matter what Satan does, God's in control. God's in control tonight. God's on the throne tonight. We're in God's hands tonight. And hear this, the world doesn't end and the word doesn't end with the mark of the beast. It all ends with Jesus Christ coming back victoriously and us ruling and reigning for a thousand years and a new heaven and a new earth. We're just getting going tonight, you know that? We got a glorious future in Christ waiting for us. And I pray tonight you are in Christ, that you've asked him to wash you of your sins and you've put your faith in him as Lord and Savior. He's died for you, he's rose from the grave, he's paid the penalty of our sins and whoever calls on his name will be saved. So he says, I looked and behold, he sees the lamb, let's look to the lamb, let's look to the lamb daily, amen. And he sees him standing on Mount Zion. And again, as dark as things look on the earth, Jesus Christ is standing victoriously. He absolutely is. He's always been, he is, he always will be standing victoriously. His purposes always come forward. His word always prevails. I love it. You go through scripture and you see so many times where, boy, it, it looks like the people of God are about to be defeated and, and God always ushers in victory, right? God always gloriously prevails. Um, I think about, you know, Elijah there on Mount Carmel and these 800 false prophets, one prophet of God. Look at those Old Testament ratios, they're often reflective of end times events as well, where it says they'll even heap up false teachers. But it looks like all is lost, and Elijah calls out on God, and fire comes down. And you know what? There's great victory through a remnant. Why? Because God is on the throne. God's ruling and reigning. Even think about Jesus on the cross, buried. His disciples are weeping, and yet on the third day, he resurrects from the grave. And then in this tribulation, we read of these sayings, and even so much wrath poured out and even man in his rebellion refusing to repent and again it ends with the second coming of the lord and praise god even for our lives you know what the trials the tribulations eventually we're going to die and yet we're going to live on forever because we've been born again through faith in the lord jesus christ um you know what we rejoice in that we absolutely rejoice in it um and you see him here standing again on Mount Zion victoriously. And we talk about Mount Zion. 
There's an earthly Mount Zion. It's a reference to Jerusalem. But praise God, there's a heavenly Mount Zion. And the Lord stands there victoriously tonight. Notice Hebrews 12, 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. He's talking to believers here, to an innumerable company of angels in the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Again, is your faith in Christ tonight? Can you say amen to that? Get this, you're registered in heaven. Is that, that's a glorious place to be registered. <laughs> registered in heaven to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks of better things than that of Abel. So we've come to Mount Zion, that heavenly Jerusalem, and our Lord stands there victoriously tonight because he's conquered the grave. And listen, this is also a reference, though, to the Lord coming back to Mount Zion there, even, you know what, at his second coming. Referred to Psalm 2 earlier where it talks about the kings and rulers of this earth casting off the counsel of God in the rebellion. And I love Psalm 2, 4. It says, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. Again, when you feel overwhelmed, know God's looking at these rebellious men who think they're gonna become God themselves. You know what God's doing? God's laughing at them. He's saying, look at these little fools running about here. He sits in heavens, shall laugh, and the Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in their deep displeasure. And then notice he says, yet I have set my king on the holy hill of Zion. And that's a word for us tonight. The Lord Jesus, his holy one, that's what Christ means, the anointed one. He is absolutely on his holy hill in Zion, ruling and reigning over all things in the world and all the details even of our life. You're in good hands in Jesus. And it says, with them, 144,000 having the Father's name written on their foreheads. Spoiler, spoiler alert, he's not talking about the Jehovah Witnesses here. Just so you know. <laughs> we see, <laughs> we saw these guys earlier. We saw them earlier in Revelation. And, and we see this as again, around the middle of the tribulation, around the sixth seal. And it seems it's in this convergence of events around the time the two witnesses that are in there in the first half of the tribulation to be a witness of God Almighty. The Antichrist thinks he kills them. The world rejoices for three and a half, year, three and a half years. God resurrects them, calls them up. And then in Revelation 7 and 3, chapter 7, verse 3, and again, some of these events, no doubt, are going to overlap themselves, but it's all around that mid-tribulation time. He says, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of Israel were sealed. Well, look at it. God's dealing with the Israelis, with the Jews. I, I just get so perplexed how individuals will come to the conclusion God's done with Israel. And the, 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 the way they back that is all because they're much bigger sinners than we are. That, that's the conclusion. They can. Look, at God doesn't grade sin on a scale, just so you know it. You break one point, you break it all. And yes, there's a lot of wicked Jews in the world. A lot of rank, wicked, you know what, rebellious ones against God. But that doesn't make the promises of God null and void. You need to know that. Because if that was the case, 
Everyone in this room would be damned to hell if our sin made the promises of God dull and void. God promised to send a son and he came and he died for our sins that through faith in him we could be washed. And the promises to Israel aren't made null and void because of the rebellion or even the rejection of Christ Jesus. God in his faithfulness as he keeps his promises, even as he kept his promises to Abraham has even brought Israel back in these last days. And we know again, the Lord's coming back not to New York City, not to California, but he's coming back and going to set foot on the Mount of Olives. Newsflash, that's in Israel. And he's going to seal these 144,000 Israelis during that time. It talks here, again, about specific tribes. Uh, the tribe of Judah, 12,000. And then he says, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Ishishar, Zebulun, Joseph and Benjamin. And it's interesting, you go through the list and you don't see the tribe of Dan there. And this is where some have put forth the idea that maybe the Antichrist will be of the tribe of Dan because of her rebellious nature throughout the scripture. I don't know. I'm, you know, it could be. I, I'm not gonna be dogmatic about any of that stuff. But you know what is glorious? If you go to Ezekiel 48, it talks about the millennial temple where the Lord will reign for a thousand years. And guess who's back on the scene? Old Dan makes it across the finish line because it's the grace of God Almighty. And where in this you see Manasseh and then Joseph. You don't see Ephraim, you see Joseph because Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And a lot of times, you know, they're mixed into the tribes. You see Joseph, what would be a combination of Ephraim and Manasseh. You see Dan along with the other 10 brothers. Because listen, God always fulfills his promises even when it looks bleak glorious thing so he seals these 144,000 not gentiles not americans maybe they're american in the sense of you know what they live here but these are israelis with israeli blood they're of these tribes specifically it's not just a religion it's an ethnicity make no mistake about it the jews today pretty much know what everyone's who everyone tribe is what tribe they're even from by just looking at their dna and so forth we're at that point in the world that we are living in and he's going to seal these these um these these servants to be no doubt a witness to god almighty and he's going to have a great hedge of protection around them during this time to be a witness to a world that desperately needs Jesus Christ. And it just shows the great love that God has for men that even shake their fist at him and blaspheme him. Because I marvel during this time how many witnesses God's still going to have for this rebellious world. Whether it's those, you know, two witnesses that we read about calling fire down, or people that come to the Lord in that time that they're willing to lose their life and they overcome. You know, the beast through the shed blood of the lamb and their testimony, they don't love their life to death. These 144,000 witnesses. Next week, we'll read about three angels in heaven proclaiming the gospel. God wants to see people get saved. You need to know that. We're in this time that we're in right now and he delays his coming because he wants to see people get saved. And notice, again, he sees the lamb standing and then he sees these 144,000 and they're with the lamb. And we see that the father's name is written on their forehead. And look at, they're the ones that are sealed 
And no doubt that seal has to be in conjunction with the father's name on their forehead. It's like their stamp. And here's the world in this rebellion, most of them taking the mark of the beast. But God says, I got my own people. It's a remnant, but they're sealed. And I'll tell you this time that we're in right now, with all the rebellion, God has a remnant right now. And I pray tonight that you're part of it, that you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God when you put faith in Jesus Christ. As we read there in Ephesians 1.13, that in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who's the guarantee of our inheritance and redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And we talked about this a few weeks ago in Romans, how when we put faith in the Lord, the Holy Spirit spiritually baptized us into the death of Christ and then brought us forth born again spiritually in the Lord. And we have the seal of the Holy Spirit on us and praise God, absolutely, we're a purchased possession tonight. And I won't read it, it's there in, in your notes, John 10, 27 through 29. It says that in Christ, now we can't even be snatched out of the Father's hand because we're sealed, we're stamped. And in this time, look at these 144,000, they're gonna be in the hands of the Lord. And not only are they there again with the Lord, no doubt they're standing with the Lord. The Lord's standing with them. And you know when you put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, absolutely, from that day forward, the Lord stands with you. He goes before you. Sometimes he's correcting us. Sometimes he's picking us up. Other times, again, he's marching us forward, but he stands with us, and he's gonna see us through. And absolutely in Christ, we're gonna have victory. We have victory, we're having victory, and we're gonna have victory in the Lord. And I'll tell you, even when no one stands with you, the Lord absolutely undergirds his people. We read this the other day in our staff devotions that we have out here on Tuesday morning. I love it. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 16, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear also. I was delivered out of the, also I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom to him be glory forever and ever, amen. And Paul's not just writing that for himself. This is written for us. You're that lion wanting to devour you. The Lord's the deliverer. Look to the Lord. And so again, with all the stuff going on, let's be aware of it, but let's have our eyes fixated on the Lamb of God, on the Word of God, on the truth of God. Verse two here, and I heard a voice like, uh, and I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder, and I heard the sound of harpists playing harps. Awesomely, as these, uh, as these 144,000 are here before the Lord, and we're gonna see they're worshiping God heaven is mixed in with their worship. Heaven absolutely is moved and heaven is moving them as these servants of God lift their voices to God Almighty. And this is something that we need to have before us. Look at praise and worship, it's a powerful thing. Worshiping of God, I, I hope and pray that every one of us in this room practice worshiping God, giving thanks to God. You're like, I can't sing good. God doesn't care about that. 
It's about making a joyful noise. It's about having hearts of appreciation. It's about saying thank you, Lord, and counting our blessings and so forth. I pray as a church when we assemble together that our worship will be, you know, truthful. And look, this is where, this is where all of us got to check ourselves. I, I know we love fellowship and we love seeing brothers and sisters. Maybe we haven't seen all week and having that conversation. But look, if you're finding yourself out in that patio for the first 15 minute of worship and the last five you come in and like, where can I find a, she- a seat? You're missing out and you're outside of the will of God in that. The Lord wants us to be gathering together, worshiping God and lifting our voices to God Almighty. It's a, it's a glorious, glorious thing. Psalm 22, three, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel or enthroned in the praises of God's people. God absolutely inhabits our praise. He absolutely, I love in Acts 4.31, it's in the midst of difficulty, it says when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God in boldness. As they came together and they said, look, we love each other, we're sharing life together, we care about each other, but there's a time for us to fellowship and then there's a time for us to pray and worship God Almighty. So let's take that seriously and get together and let's each one of us be responsible to take this time set apart to worship God together and give him praise to have all the focus on him because i'll tell you heaven wants to join in and harpists in heaven want to start playing when we lift up the name of god and god wants to strengthen us and pour out on us i know he does that individually i can attest to that in my own life how glorious is it when people assemble together and the focus is on the lord i'm a part of a few groups uh, a, a few a few prayer meetings and so forth where it seems like the folks come in focus in on the lord and i'll tell you it's special and it's unique and i pray as a church that we'll grow in that and and i think it's just where each of us need to be responsible am i coming to worship god am i driving to church saying i'm going to worship god or do i roll in here saying who hey can i talk to and hang out with and again it happens to all of us i'm not going to shame anyone for that sometimes you get called away sometimes there's stuff to get done Sometimes there's things to be overseen, but I pray that we would grow and sing, let's come together and worship God Almighty because we're gonna be doing that in heaven and absolutely heaven moves when we don't give God lip service, but we say, let's just worship the Lord. Let's, it doesn't have to, you don't have to have a feeling for that. It's just a determination to say, I'm gonna lift my voice to God Almighty. What a glorious scene. In verse three, it says, as they sang, as it were a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were deemed from the earth. Now again, they're singing a new song. We've talked a lot about this. God's always the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not the same, I'm growing, hopefully. Hopefully I'm growing in the Lord, not away from the Lord. And I'm learning more about the Lord. And I'm seeing the Lord do things in my life, new things, and I'm learning more about the Lord. And that actually should be absolutely stirring new songs in my heart to God. You know, as we've been going through Romans, I, you know, I've taught through Romans before. I've read it so many times. I'm learning new things about the Lord. I'm getting a, a deeper understanding of a lot of things. I'm still scratching the surface, but the Lord's been putting new songs in my heart. I'll tell you, in Romans 6, I've been so struck. I feel like the Lord just shined light on things. Just, just what we talked about this last week, 
the last few weeks that the life he now lives, he lives unto God. And I, I just felt like the Lord's helped me to understand that in a way I didn't before and helped me as well to explain to people that, yes, we identify with the cross, but let's identify with the risen Lord. He's not on the cross anymore. And if we're doing that, we should be living our lives unto God as well. And I've just been thanking God for that and rejoicing in a, in, in a way, a new song. I haven't put it to lyrics and music and stuff, but it's a new song and thinking, just thank you, Lord, for this truth. And it is a new song in that sense. And God wants to birth those in our life. I don't have time, but I got passages in here about new songs. In Psalm 33, 1, I'll read it anyway. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make melody to him with the instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. And one thing, just in that, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Give praise to God. He's talking about those striving to live a righteous life. Look, at you do that, God's gonna put a new song in your heart. You don't ever wanna give thanks to God, you're gonna sing that same old tune of complaining, kicking rocks, you know what, looking at a glass half empty. You start giving thanks to God, I'm gonna tell you, new songs are gonna be birthed in your heart. No doubt about it. I love uh, Psalm 96, no, I want to read Psalm 41. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined my ear and heard my cry. And he brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon the rock and established my step and has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. And again, this is the psalmist in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a dark time. He, he's in the miry clay but what did he do in that time? What did he do? He waited for the Lord. I'm gonna wait on the Lord. And as he waited on the Lord in that trial, God brought him up out of that and then God put a new strong song in his mouth. Why? Because that's a baptism of fire. We talked about all those baptisms. One's a baptism of fire. When you go through trials and tribulations as a saint, it ain't by mistake. It's a baptism of fire. Wait patiently on the Lord and allow the Lord to do a work. Look at he wants to bring you through, maturing you more, learning more about him, to even put a new song in, in your mouth to praise God. I'll tell you, it's, I've, I've heard a lot lately of praise reports of people telling me, man, I, I went through this, I went through that, and I just kept my eyes on the Lord, and, and just, they just were giving glory to God and talking about how they drew near to God. Now, the Lord's put a new song in their mouth through this trial. So you thought everyone said, oh man, it's horrible they're going through that. But God was working and moving in that. And let's remember that when those things come upon us. And notice again, they're, they're before the throne here. Uh, they're before God Almighty. And let's remember that we have access to that same throne. Even right now. Ephesians 2.18, for through him we have both access by one spirit to the Father. Is Jesus your Lord? You have access through the Holy Spirit of God who you receive when you put faith in Christ to the Father, to the throne room of God. We see these four living creatures are there. They're living, bursting forth with life because they're before the throne of God. Look, you need fresh life tonight. You need fresh strength. I'm not just talking about mental, or, or I'm not just talking about spiritual strength. You need fresh mental strength. You need fresh physical strength. Get on your face before God and ask him to strengthen you. Get before the Lord. Let God fuel your tank. Look, we, we need strength even in these bodies. Peter's mother-in-law was sick. 
The Lord prayed for her, and she got up to serve God. She needed that strength. And they're living and bursting forth with it because they're the throne of God. We talked about that before. And notice as well, we get a, we get a church sighting in heaven. The elders are there. Again, this isn't 24 elders. These are 24 elders there in Revelation 5 that represent the completeness of the church. And I know that from the context because they sing a new song in Revelation 5, 9. It says, they sing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. And then real quickly, remember in Revelation 20, this is after the Lord's return. We return with them. John says in verse four, I saw the thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. That's the church. Judgment has been committed to the church. We read that in 1 Corinthians. He says, then I saw the souls of those beheaded for their witness to Jesus and the word of God who had not worshiped the beast or the image had not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. They're not even resurrected yet. Those are tribulation saints. Even at this point, the church is in heaven. I'm coming back with the Lord on a horse going to be part of that battle in Armageddon. I ain't going to be resurrected after all of that. My faith is in Jesus now. That's who we are. We're going to have crowns. We're going to sit on thrones. They're going to worship before the throne. We went into great detail about that. And again, they have a song here that only they can learn. And again, God, this is where God's personal. We read in Revelation 2 uh, that we have a name written on us in verse 17 that no one knows except the Lord and us. That's going to be pretty awesome. God's going to have a name just for you that only you and him are going to know. Isn't that phenomenal? And they're redeemed from the earth. Again, brought up out of these earth dwellers lost in sin, citizens of heaven. Same with us tonight. We are redeemed out of this through the shed blood of the lamb. Verse four here. These are the ones who are not defiled with women for their virgins. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. Now, look, there's a lot of thoughts that come up with this. Are these virgins in the physical sense or in the spiritual sense? They're both talked about in the scripture. Obviously, in the physical sense, this would be someone that has not had sexual relations. The spiritual sense, though, talks about virgins as well. 2 Corinthians 11.2 says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betroth you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. If you know anything about that church in Corinth, very few of them were physical virgins. They were a people that were brought out of rank paganism, sexual misconduct and immorality and so forth. But through faith in Christ, again, we get washed of our sin. We absolutely do. I remember met my wife. We were dating. She said, are you a virgin? I said, well, I am spiritually. She kind of chuckled. What's that mean? <laughs> I go, look, I lived an ugly, dirty life for many years. But I know this, Christ has washed me and Christ has set me free. And indeed he had. These are probably in the physical sense because it says we're not defiled with women. But again, pump your brakes on that. Because to be defiled by a woman as a man, it would be the act of sexual immorality. 
But here's the thing, Hebrews 13, 4 says, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. A man and woman in holy matrimony, there is nothing that would defile them in that, in that marriage bed. That's what God created those relations for, for a man and woman to enjoy, to procreate, to have intimacy. Outside of it, absolutely, it's defiled. In fact, it says fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And that's why all the more, look at if you're in that place, you want to come to Christ and get washed and get right with the Lord so you can be presented to God, a chaste virgin in Christ Jesus, because Jesus has washed you of your sin. Isn't that a much better plan? And they're the ones that follow the lamb wherever he goes. Look at they don't have time for anything else. They just follow Jesus because the time's short. And I'll tell you, for us here tonight, we got to recognize that our time's short. God wants us to be about the business of the Lord. Read to you 1 Corinthians seven twenty-five. It's a great passage about singleness and marriage, that whole chapter. He says, now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord. Yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord has mercy and has made trustworthy. So Paul says, this is my opinion as an elder, an apostle. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of present distresses, that it's good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Don't seek to be loose. Are you loosed from a wife? Don't seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she's not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, and I would spare you. <laughs> He's basically saying, look, it, it's not a sin, but if you're a virgin, if you're single at that, you know, in that place of singleness, seek God first. If someone comes along, you marry, you're not in sin, but seek God. And that's what these 144,000 do. Whatever their earthly setting is, they follow the lamb wherever he goes. I'll give you a tip here tonight. You're a single person. You're saying, man, I really, I'd really like to get married. And I think that's a good desire. You know, use your singleness for the glory of God. But God saw Adam that he was alone and he said, that's not good. But I'm gonna give you a little insight. Look at the best thing that you can do right now is to date Jesus and be found a single person fearing God. Be someone fearing God so God can bring someone who fears God into your life. You don't want to be unequally yoked. And I'll tell you, we think of unequally yoked as a believer and a non-believer. There is a lot of believers that are filled with the spirit that are married to carnal Christians. And that's an ugly, unequally yoked place as well. Fear God because look, at if you're a young woman, you're like, I just want, to, I want a man who fears God. If there's some young man or some old man, I don't know how old you are here tonight, you're single, and, and he fears God, and he's praying, Lord, if that's your will, bring someone who fears God. He ain't bringing some scrub to that guy. He ain't bringing some lukewarm, carnal, you know what, I go and party on the weekend, I do my own thing, but I'd really like a Christian husband. He ain't gonna do that. His eyes are going forth, and he says, this man fears God. He's looking to me first. I'm gonna bring a woman who fears God. And if you're a man and you're saying, man, I'd love a wife, you better be fearing God. Because if there's some single gal out there and she fears God, absolutely, God's gonna bring someone who fears God to her. Does that make sense? And yet there's a lot of people running around, oh, I, you know what, I, they, I believe in the Lord, but they live just like the world. And then you ask them what kind of mate you want, oh, I want someone who fears God, but they don't fear God. I, 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 
I know, I've talked to people, like, like, you need to start fearing God. Well, how can I find a husband, though, if I'm not out in the club and whatnot? You can find anyone that fears God there. Well, I got freedom. Yeah, you do. Use your freedom to serve God. They're using their freedom to serve God. And I'll tell you, he says next in verse 29, we're almost done here. But this I say, brother, and the time is short. This is for us. So that now, for, for, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. And those who weep as they do not weep, and those who rejoice as they do not rejoice, and those who buy as though they don't possess, and those who use this world not missing it, misusing it for the form of this world's passing away. This isn't a loophole to get a divorce. What he's saying here is that if you're married, husband and wife, seek God first. Seek God first. Your marriage will be all the better in doing that, your marriage bed will be all the better in doing that. But how often do people who name the name of Christ, they spend every weekend at a marriage conference, are we investing in our marriage? We're going here and there and so forth. Where's Jesus in that? So many of these silly marriage conferences is all about what you can do, and they're not even about seeking Christ. You want to have a better marriage? Get grounded in the word of God. All these Bible studies are marriage counseling. They absolutely are. Seek the Lord first. Let God knit you together, not only as husband and wife, but brothers and sisters that are soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not to say there's not a time for a vacation or a retreat and all that, but Jesus is to be first. Those that weep as you don't weep. Some people get so caught up in mourning and weeping, they're missing the days before them when they should be serving God. As you buy as if you don't possess Oh, I've got all this stuff. I don't own this stuff. Yeah, for a short time, you're taking none of it with you. It's a bunch of tents and sticks and stones that's gonna burn to the ground. Let's be following the lamb, amen? He says, they were redeemed from among men being the first fruits of God to the lamb. Now, wait a minute, the first fruits? Didn't that happen on Pentecost? Wasn't that the fulfillment of Pentecost, the first fruits, when God poured out the Holy Spirit on the church? Absolutely, so is this a contradiction? No. This is the first fruits of all Israel being saved at the end of the tribulation. God says, I'm gonna start with this 144,000. I'm gonna grab them, I'm gonna seal them. They're gonna follow me. They're gonna be servants of mine throughout the time of Jacob's trouble and they're first fruits of all Israel being saved. We've talked about this, you know what, over and over because this, Daniel 70 week, it revolves around Israel. Go read Daniel chapter nine. We've gone through the whole book. But notice Paul says in Romans eleven twenty five, I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. God doesn't want us to be ignorant, yet there's so much ignorance of this. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. The end of the church age. Last Gentile gets saved, God says, I'm gonna take that last seven years and do a work in Israel. This isn't rocket science here. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. Where are they standing with the Lord? In Zion. <laughs> and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Don't be running around wise in your own opinion, but God can't save Israel. They're just too wicked, they're too evil. Again, if that's the standard, you're going straight to hell. If God doesn't keep his promises based on our rebellion, we have no hope. 
But the ignorance just abounds because look, there's a part of our sin nature that is anti-Christ and anti-Israel. You see it throughout the scripture. Satan wants to destroy Israel from day one because again, God set her aside to bring forth the Messiah and he wants to destroy her till now because God's coming back for all Israel to be saved. Salvation is not to the Gentile first. Hate to burst some bubbles. It's to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. We've been grafted in. It's God's plan. You got a problem with it? You need to take it up with God. I got no problems with it. I deserve hell. The, the Gentile side of me rejoices in it, and the Jew side of me rejoices in it, because without the shed of blood, I have no hope. Finally, verse five, and in their mouth was found no deceit, for they're without fault before the throne of God. And why there's no deceit, look at, these are gonna be servants of God, and we already talked about servants of God, witness the gospel of God. They're gonna speak truth in the midst of many false prophets and many false teachers. They're gonna speak truth. Even a time when so many perish because they don't love the truth. Let's do the same. Look at they also speak they also speak truthfully because they walk with the lamb. Again, who you hang out with is going to reflect what comes out of your mouth. They speak truth because they walk with the lamb. And they're without fault before the throne of God. You're like, how in the world do they do this? The shed blood of Jesus. Again, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in him alone. He saved us to the uttermost. I love Jude 24, we'll close on this. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless. Again, they're without fault before the throne of God. To him who's able to keep you from stumbling, Jesus, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever, amen. That glorious. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We give you glory and honor. Lord, we've looked at a lot of stuff here. I just thank you for who you are, what you've done for us. Let our eyes be fixed on you, God. Help us to walk in your counsel. Fill us afresh tonight with your Holy Spirit, a joy of the Lord, a fresh endurance. God, hearts of praise. Oh Lord, if we've been caught up with just things that are gonna perish, Lord, I pray they'd be put in their proper place at your feet. And if you're here tonight, you haven't called upon the Lord. Now's the time of salvation. Look at come to him and ask him to forgive you, to wash you, to save you. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's in him and him alone that we have that salvation. Bless the rest of our evening. Thank you for all these folks. Shine your face on them greatly. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. And we sit together. Amen. God bless you.